Shut up and sit down. podcast because apparently I like to hear myself talk and um I was (laughs) I was noticing I can really tell when my asthma is a problem from my podcast like different times of the year and how much my old mic used to pick up of my breathing so I'm really sorry about all that heavy breathing in your ear and you didn't even get anything really fun out of it I mean my bad (laughs) Maybe that's why all those men kept listening to my show. <laughs> well, beyond the the explicit sex talk. Anyways, <laughs> it was pretty funny. I was like, wow, I'm really glad I changed my mic and changed my acid medication. So hopefully it's not um, uh, so bad these days that you guys are, are, are hearing every breath I take. Uh, anyways, um, I posted a... a the legacy earlier in the month and this is a story i've been sitting on um as many of you know who listen to my podcast for quite a while i had um issues with it um and uh issues with the plot that i wanted to solve and i finally got it worked out and i was really pleased with the result and i was proud of it um and i posted it on my site and overwhelmingly I got a great response, and honestly, I did I did think that I probably would not get as much of a response as I have gotten, because it is a James and Lily story and not a Harry Hermione story, um, and it's not, there's, Harry and Hermione aren't even listed as a pairing, because um, she never even appears in the story, and he's a secondary character. The, the book is not about... Um, Anything that might happen for them in the future, it's about James um, being forced to reconcile himself to his son's um, legacy uh, and uh, how he um, how he um, how he deals with that. And it's not just about the prophecy or Voldemort; it's about um, the bigger picture in, in Britain. And, and what Harry will face in the future, and what James is having to do on his behalf um, as um, they move into the future. And so I was really pleased and proud, but then, oh my God, there's always those like those two or three people who just cannot be happy with what you give them for free. <clears throat> My favorite being, in the midst of telling me how much they love the fic and everything, um, asking the question, but why isn't there more? Why isn't there more? Really? Because, you know what, I think fandom in a lot of ways um, uh, fucks readers up. Because you've got fanfiction, and I'm not disparaging these writers who do this. I mean, I've got a series of, like, 
ties that bind is huge. I mean, it's ties that bind is huge. It's told in novella format, so it's not one ongoing long novel. It's a series told in novella format. Um, so the Sentinels of Atlantis is huge, but again, it's episodes. It's it's told in episode format. You know, pockets, packets of of story, one after another. Sentinels. Uh, uh, the, the the soulmate bond is huge, but again, it's told in episode format. So, when you present a reader in in fandom with a novel um, that has a beginning, a middle, and an end, <laughs> and doesn't meander on for a million fucking words, they feel cheated. Apparently, and I'm like, why isn't there more? Exactly. And I I have to admit that I kind of lost my temper with that particular reader, and it's still currently in my comment section, and I'm, I'm not going to take it down. Because it used to, I would just delete comments like that, and I would not even respond to them. But my give a fuck's been broken um, for quite a while, and um, I'm just, I, I can't. I'm, I'm not going to ignore that kind of entitlement on my own damn site. Um, and it was just... They literally have no fucking idea how much work went into that novel. Um, For the record, let me get over there and check it out. I'm going to check it out. Because, you know, Word keeps statistics on on how much editing you do to a file. Um, This is not counting beta. I don't think anyway, but but even if it does count beta, it's you know what it is, what it is. I need to log into it. <clears throat> it's you know it's it's really frustrating to produce something um, uh, and put, okay, um, 377 minutes of editing time. Uh, So that's just six hours of editing in beta. That's not counting uh, in my final draft. It's not counting the other drafts of the work that exists. This is just my final draft. It took me six hours to prepare it for um, the website. Let me go over into the work folder and get the original. Okay, I started the legacy in 2016. And I spent 24,954 minutes on it on what would be considered my rough my rough and second all three drafts all together in, in one document because what I would do is I would save a copy, put that in my work folder and keep working on the original. So That's 415 hours just to write the final draft. To get to get to the final draft, and then six hours of editing between me, Lady Holder, and Jilly. So, um, 
I really don't appreciate these assholes. And like I said, it's not like it's everybody. It's like one or two people. But really, it only took... It, it doesn't matter how much gets piled on you. In the end, only the final straw matters. Um, saw on Facebook that a uh, popular Hobbit fic writer got left AO3 because of reader entitlement and um, demands and all that bullshit. And it just it's it's infuriating. It's genuinely infuriating to be um, constantly uh, bombarded uh, with demands for more and um, being made to feel responsible for or them attempting to make me feel responsible for their disappointment because they didn't get what they wanted out of the story. It's, you know what? I did not list Harry and Hermione as a pairing because I knew they weren't going to be a pairing. He's eight in the story. He is eight fucking years old in the story. He doesn't have a girlfriend. He's not going to be getting one anytime soon. It's really, it's, yeah. And, you know, the thing is, is I actually took a break from Harry Potter fandom because of these people. And I put out a novel, and what do I get? These assholes coming back asking, well, why isn't it Harry Hermione? Uh, why is it in here? I want to see them grow up and blah, blah, blah. Fuck you. I'm so serious. Fuck you. Man, I double birded my screen so hard over that last comment that I sprained my finger. My finger is sprained. No, Rogue says, do they harass writers of books? They buy like this. No. Um, professionally, um, every once in a while, I'll get an email and say, hey, I really enjoyed this story. Are you going to do a sequel with this character? I think that'd be really great. Um, thank you for your time. But readers in fandom treat writers in fandom like slave labor. Indentured servitude? I don't know. Was that terrible? That was probably terrible. I'm in a foul mood. I don't mean to say I'm not comparing myself to um to uh to slaves. I'm not saying that any way that I live a life of, of slavery in any matter. But I do think that readers in fandom treat um, writers uh, terribly. I am not wearing a metal bikini for anybody. Well, I think there is a difference between fan fiction writers and professional writers. And as a professional writer, I do get treated with a certain level of um, respect and um, that I don't get in fandom. 
I um Oh no, it's just super annoying. Um Lady Holder's gonna be my guest tonight. Hello. 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 One of the reasons why I started the Wild Hair Hair Project is because a lot of archives are um geared towards the reader. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to give a space to 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 writers that's that's made for them. It's all about them. Yeah. It's um when you, it wasn't all that long ago that that AO3 finally put on the ability for people to keep an eye on on their comments to be able to to um, moderate moderate them, you know, and that's kind of bullshit. Yeah, because all the reader options came first: subscriptions, downloads, yeah. um, mm-hmm. and fanfiction.net is the same way. It, it, it's geared towards the reader experience. Now, when it comes to fanfiction.net mm-hmm. and to a greater extent AO3, um, that that's where they get their money. Oh yeah, readers. I'm not going to lie. AO3. I mean, I've given to them. Readers fund AO3. I mm-hmm. have given money to um, the organization of Transformative, you know, the the organization that actually runs yeah. AO3. Yes, mm-hmm. I've given them money. Um, Me too. Fanfiction.net runs on advertising, which is fueled no. by readers. Mm-hmm. Um, they gear their entire experience toward readers. Um After that, that was actually kind of profound. But now I feel like you just called me a whore. So, but okay. <laughs> she says, they seem to think fan fiction exists just for them and not for authors. You know, like a guy who thinks only orgasms are for men and that and that women that have them are whores. Yeah. Those guys need to get introduced to a two-by-four. I am going to copy and paste that and quote it into my podcast description. I like it. Incredibly profound some days are Azure. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it it does sometimes feel like you're selling something, um, um, mm-hmm. but you're not getting anything out of it. It's it's. Um, why being treated like a whore? I, you know, and it's really, um, it's really frustrating. Um, the thing is, is it's not the majority of people. No. There's, um, I also put up a um, the end of my uh, July rough trade, which was three episodes of the serial format that we were doing at the time, and. Mm-hmm. Something like 99% of the comments that I've gotten have been, they've been great. You know, there's a couple people who commented on the more thing. Um, 
kind of got, I think, I, I got a left-handed-ish comment. I edited it because everything else about it was fine. But, you know, I took out what I didn't like. And whether that person um, sees it or not, I'm not really sure I care. But it's... Um, Any stories I put up, just like with you, I put them up because I want to, okay? Um, I've got the option of, you know, taking all my toys and going home. It would be boring, but I can, all right? Um, I'm just lucky I haven't hit my my break and, and loss of give a damn, okay? You know, it's, um, for the most part, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not bothered. You know, but it's, I can see where you know there's, why isn't there more? You know, I would love to see more of this. Um, I know you, I know there's more. You know, that you're thinking about this, or you know, occasionally I get comments um, from folks. Um, Will there be more of this? You know, maybe. Keep pushing. There won't be any tension. Honestly, most of the time, seeing the words, I'd love to see more, doesn't bother me. But when it's phrased in such a way that it implies that what you've already given them is um, Mm -hmm. inferior. Yeah. You know, um, that bugs me. I also Because this this last comment, it it basically Mm -hmm. implied that my story wasn't complete. That I, that I had um, marked it complete, but it wasn't. And that just is like a smack in the face because um, I put a lot of effort into that plot. Oh, yeah, I know. There was a lot of talking about that one, and, and I know you went away and thought about it a lot. And, you know, um, sometimes I would you would give us glimpses of it, and things changed. And I certainly remember the... Um, the podcast where, you know, things changed quite a bit. Yeah. But I can you know, still I see a lot of effort the kernel. That. And to be told that it basically wasn't complete after I said it was, that it was um, deficient. Well, that's really damn annoying. It's just super, oh. super annoying. I don't understand. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I, I, every once in a while I get people asking me for, you know, are you going to finish this or are you going to finish that? Anything that isn't finished on my site will eventually get finished, um, barring anything unforeseen. But, you know, I'm not planning on leaving something hang forever and ever and ever on them. But, but if you do, it's your shit. Yeah, if I, I do, it's like my fuck. shit. But, <laughs> but you know, it's it's also a case of you know um, I'll get to it when I get to it. You know, there's other stories that are float around in my head that get that are more interesting. You know, um, sometimes it all it takes is a, a you know a line in a conversation. Hell, Azure's com- uh, pulled up a couple ideas for me, and I've gone off and written them. You know. So, 
whether or not they you know they develop into anything more or they stay a half finished story where I've run out of steam and I'm done, well then that may be it. You know. Um life happens that way sometimes. We don't always get the end. I think you know? sometimes um readers treat writers in fandom like like they're disposable. Uh, we're going to treat you like shit and abuse you until you go away because there are ten more just like you. Yeah. The problem is, they're not. Okay? Yeah, there may be, um, you know, ten, twenty, thirty new writers showing up in, like, a, a good fandom, NCIS, on a, um, you know, a monthly basis, but... It doesn't mean that they're going to be the ones who have the stuff that you want to read and reread and reread. Okay. Um, the authors that I reread and, and will go back to and enjoy time and again have that spark of create, creativity that says that that is interesting and fresh and new, and it's not just a retread of what was done before or what okay. was done in canon. I'm or sorry, man. If you're just rewriting canon, you need to enjoy yourself. I don't know just, how to just do it. Just enjoy yourself, but don't expect mm-hmm. me to read it. You do you. Yeah. <laughs> and maybe one day you'll do somebody else, and it'll be great. <laughs> um, or not, just depending on who you do. Um, but yeah. you know. I know I do feel like sometimes readers think we're disposable, um, and I think I offer you something unique to fandom. Maybe you don't agree, and that's perfectly within your right to do so. Mm-hmm. And you can kiss my ass um, if you think that. But I do think I offer something unique and interesting um, to readers in the various fandoms that I uh, participate in, and um, I don't think I'm replaceable. I think there are probably four or five hours out there just right now who could who could step into my stupid BNF shoes, and that'd be great and fine. But they wouldn't be me. The thing is, is if you decided to to you know um, take your your toys and go home, okay, and pull all your stuff off the web, um, it would be. It would be a loss, okay? Because you know, I, I know you certainly you know inspire me. I know I've seen you know um, stuff that you've done show up in my work, okay? Um, Hell, talking to you has has you know, I remember you know grabbing for a, um, a notebook and, and a pen and starting to scribble as you and I were talking at many you know many times. So you know it's. Fandom, when when they drive writers out, they make us all poor. Okay, they're not enriching us. They're not, you know, cleaning up the the writer pool. They're not cleaning. They're not making fandom, you know, more acceptable. They're just making us all poor. Do you think you that's know? part of it? Do you, Do you think that they have some some goal in mind that they're actually trying to clean up fandom? Do you see that? Hmm. I'm gonna um retry to over um old old news. Um, what are you doing? You're making a lot of noise over there. 
I'm typing. Oh, you're typing. You type, but I'm trying. Loud ass I'm typing. Sorry. That's because yeah, you yeah, type yeah. Like, a, like a giant over there. It's because I type <laughs> the tips of my fingernails, and you hate it because I have thick nails. You know? Um, the, what, the NCIS author who was run out of fandom, with, um, who wrote um, Denozo as a Seal, Micah, Mika, Mika. Um, Mika. When she, Mika, Sorry, yeah, when she got run out, I mispronounce your name. <laughs> yeah, honey, we go to go, go to Wild Hair. You're, you're welcome to come to Wild Hair. I'll tell everybody to kiss my ass on your behalf. I'll 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 second it. I know Jilly will third it. So will Senna. So will Azure. So will the whole horde. Okay, fuck them. Anyhow. Um, but some of the, the some of the shit comments that she was getting were, you know, this is wrong, this is horrible, you, this is not right, you know, you're you're embarrassing us, blah 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 blah. You're embarrassing you know? us. What the yeah, well, fuck that was, does I think that it, mean? Your mom dude, I don't know. says Actually, that I think shit. It, yeah, well, some people are assholes, you know. <laughs> and it's white too, as. Um, anyhow, but, you know, yeah, that was shit that, you know. Every time I hear this, I want to write Tony as a seal. I did. <laughs> I haven't finished it, but I did. Have I read that? And I did I because of her. I don't think I've read that. Is she fictional? It was a rough me? trade. How did you, how did you miss this? I read, it was a rough trade. Well, I must have read it. Yeah, I'll find Man, it. my brain is have going. No, it'll be like new. Yeah, yeah. Your your brain was just busy. What the hell am I looking at? That's what I'm looking at. Oh, I remember papers you know, from the cat. If you want to retread some some old shit, you can go mm-hmm. back to how. Um, the Sentinel. <laughs> oh my God, dumb people, idiots all treated me because I didn't write Blair as a big old crying girl. I had no idea that was a thing until it was a thing, and I was like, "What is this? What is this? I don't even know what to do with this." Did you beta the Awakening? I honestly don't remember because I I think I found you because of it. I remember posting in, I didn't even know what a beta was, like I said before, and so I was in a Yahoo mm-hmm. group, it was for the Sentinel, and I posted asking for betas, because I didn't know people would do that shit for free, and I was like, really? <laughs> I just go over there and ask, and yeah, I got some volunteers, and I said, well, basically what I said in the email is that I have a 70k novel written in the Sentinel <laughs> fandom with a Blair Sandberg, Jim Ellison pairing, and I need a beta, and I got like 25 years. <laughs> Because I was already pretty popular in the Stargate fandom um, mm-hmm. when I put that out. I was halfway through what might have been. Um, you are the beta. You're hmm. the only beta that I have credited on The oh, Awakening. Hey. Because this is I the think. story that I picked two betas, and one of my betas shared oh, my file one. with this her is, That friend. was the one that I became your beta. She, she shared my rough draft with um, her friends. 
And I was so furious. Yeah, I had no idea that that was something that could possibly. I was what? Who does that without yeah. permission? And so you're my only Nobody that on I that. know. But I did get like 25 offer, offers, and I don't know why I picked Lady Holder out of all of them. Well, um, Lady Holder honestly, other girl. it was. Yeah, it was. Um, I wasn't on that Yahoo group. Okay. Um, did you volunteer from my site? I did. I, I volunteered from chat. Is that what it was? Mm-hmm. But yeah. But when I posted the awakening, I was really proud of it. I thought it was really good. I thought it would be um, well-received in fandom. And it was very well-received by readers, but not so much by the writers in in the Sentinel. Um, A select group of writers, not all of them, obviously. Um, I'm sorry. No, I'm not sorry. Fuck it. Twats. There was this subset of people in the Sentinel fandom, and I'm sure that there were readers involved as well, that thought that Blair should be written as um, um, in a very weak-ass feminine very way. Very woman? Not even as a strong woman, but as a weak woman. <laughs> I'm sorry. I can't... I mean, that, that man had, had too much body hair for him to be female. And it was not the arm hair because I've seen women that way. Writing a Blair Blair as a female, it wasn't even that. Mm. It was them writing Blair as weak and as a crier and who who depended on Jim for everything. And I wrote Blair as a professional career. Sorry about that. There she goes again. There she goes again. Just pass it away. God, I'm so sorry. This is what happens when she's not on the podcast for a whole year. She develops badass habits. I've always had this habit. Suck it up. (sighs) We have never been able to get through a phone conversation without you getting bitchy about my typing. As a matter of fact, the last time, actually, no, I take that back. The last time we got through a phone conversation without you getting bitchy about my um, typing was when I did not have fake nails on. Mm. And I was still typing on the tips of my fingers. Because I don't type with the pads of my fingers. Well, thank you, Lee. I really appreciate that. Um, I, oh, uh, that's nice. Um, I. I just I didn't understand why I wasn't um why they were telling me I wasn't allowed to characterize um Blair the way I had. And I've confessed it's to really it before funny. and I will confess to it again. Um when I wrote The Awakening, I had only read fan fiction for the Sentinel. I've mm-hmm. never watched a single episode. <laughs> and here's the thing. I had and I think that was part of what was what got me chosen. I had watched it. I knew quite a bit about the fandom, okay? And the thing is, is the Blair Sandberg from the original story, The Sentinel, okay, or the the original um, show, was this smart-mouthed, short Jewish kid who conned his way into Jim Ellison's life with a monkey. And managed to make all the difference in the world, okay? And the fact that these people were 
trying to say that, you know, he he's supposed to be, you know, um, young and, and should be, you know, um, pampered and, and he's got less spine than a jellyfish. No, this is a kid who went to, to, to college at 16. If you've got no spine, you're going to stay home or get tucked away in one of the various retreats that Naomi, you know, went to, and you never leave. That's not him, you know. If that was him, he wouldn't have dumped a a um, uh, vending machine on one of Kincaid's goons in the first episode. That's not him, you know. I did eventually watch the the whole first season of Sentinel. I want you, I don't want you to think I never watched it. I did eventually watch it because I was like, uh-huh. now I have to go watch it because apparently I'm just really fucking this. And then I watched it and I'm like, what? <laughs> what? What? Yeah. What? No. Yeah. I don't get it. But then I did get it because it wasn't about me and it wasn't about Blair. It was about their heteronormative perspective and how Jim had to be the manly man and Blair had to be the girl. Well, Jim is tall and manly and, and buff and, and, you know, looks like a, a manly man. And Blair is small. <laughs> that husband is saying gag a maggot at my description. Um, <laughs> smaller and, and you know, has long curly hair and is definitely in touch with not so much his feminine side as his inside, you know, his id or whatever you want to call it. And yeah, that's, you know, not normal for late 90s men. Sybil asked a question. Side. He got in touch with a lot of feminine sides. Well, yeah, that's what he, he did that because he's in touch with the feminine side. <laughs> Late 90s men. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Blair was totally a womanizer um, in the show. That yes. was really surprising. I wasn't expecting that. I was like, wow, Blair. <laughs> but what's really, it, well, what Sybil said, I'm going to look up Sybil's uh, question. Um, why would you want a girl if you're reading Slash? This this was mostly writers in the fandom who felt like I had stepped all over their characterization of Blair and violated their rules uh, of engagement or something. But what Blair. I would say about that is that there is a subset of writers in any fandom who write for attention. And when you come into a fandom like The Sentinel and you want attention... You write Blair Ellis. Um, you you write Blair and Jim. Mhm. And you gay it up. But if you can't gay it up, you write something like that GDP stuff, where Blair's a slave and they don't ever have sex, but he can't ever let anybody else touch him again as long as he lives. Mhm. Because he belongs to the Sentinel, but they're not gay. Mm-hmm. I can already hear emails being written. Oh, wait, that's you. Mm, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I, got but I, can, I can hear the emails being written as, as I say that, um, calling me an asshole for saying that out loud. 
fucking stupid people. But there is a subset of writers in all fandoms that write for attention. That's why they ask you for your input and ask you for your plot advice. and Oh, what do you want for a pairing? And what do you want to happen next? And they they corrupt really... readers into providing the kind of feedback that no mm-hmm. legitimate writer would want. How about this one? They also write the most horrific stuff. You know, the shock fic, the stuff that... You, you read it and you look at it and you say, okay, well, hey, you know, I recognize this pairing. I'm going to read this. You click on it and it's torture porn. horrific. Torture oh, porn, God. incest, slave fix. Mm-hmm. They write for attention. Yep. yep. You know, they... they uh, what they do is they will... And, and, you know, sometimes it's short. Sometimes in the really sad cases, it's long. And they get off on, A, what they're writing, because I'm sorry, there's too much relish in this thing, because unfortunately I've read some of it. You know, and in other cases, it's they're getting off on what the comments are. You know? And, mm, no. Just pass. But, you know, like, you know, writing for attention, okay, fine. Whatever you got to do. I, I, I would be hypocritical to say that I don't enjoy comments and feedback and um, visitors. And I look at my stats. I, I, hmm? and the thing is, is if I didn't want um, attention, I wouldn't post. I post I enjoy the hell out of my comments. My comments. Mm-hmm. I don't write for attention. I write because I have no choice. I put myself to sleep dreaming of things. I mean, I've got one that I'm currently using right now that I actually should eventually write down. But hey, you know, right now it's entertaining to go to sleep to. You know. Um, and it'll probably be when I write it. It'll probably be the about one of the only times I actually write first person, you know. But it's it's a fun little thing to to, to noodle to in the couple seconds before I fall asleep, you know. And eventually it'll get out, and you know, hey, that's great. But you know, it's um, I tell stories in my head because I can't. I don't get how people don't. You know, I really don't. I don't know what they do with their head when they're not when when they're not speaking. I don't know what goes on in their brain. It, it, it bothers me a lot because when I'm not speaking, I'm writing in my head <laughs> or reading telling somebody my, else's writing. <laughs> I'm telling stories I'm in my even, head. Sometimes I'm yeah, yeah. Sometimes I'm actually doing a you know. Um, you know, hey, this this idea, you know, um, was brought forth by somebody I read recently. Let me um, let me contemplate this and chase it down, chase down the the, the consequences of this. You know, um, because sometimes you know what I'm it, some of the stuff I don't write is because as I'm as I'm contemplating an idea and I'm I'm going okay, if this then thus. Well, thus can be horrific, and I don't want to do that. 
you know, I've, I've got my limits, okay? Um, in some ways, I'm more accepting of what I read if I'm going in that, into that direction, but I don't want to write it, okay? So, yeah, it gets um, – some stuff won't get written because of, of where my brain takes me on, on some of the commentary, you know, um, sometimes it's, you know, why, why did this uh, decision get made? I'm going to, you know, I would turn, instead of turning right, I turn left at Albuquerque. Well, when you turn left at Albuquerque, it's a whole new set of, of you know, uh, decisions, and sometimes they're not good. So, you just, you, not every writer writes everything that they think of. You know, um, admittedly, my back catalog is not nearly as deep as others, but, you know, it's, I'm still not going to write everything I think of. I think that if I posted, if, if I wrote for attention, that every single bit of um, work in progress I had would be on my website. <laughs> uh, I actually... How many, how many do I have? Let's see. This isn't up. Okay. Um, July is up from this year. That's up. That's up. So I think I've got like maybe four, five rough trades up out of all the years I've been doing it. You know, as many times as we've done it. So... You know, that's. Um, I haven't even counted my works in progress lately. I'm not even sure how many I got. Dude, I already know one. I'm, I'm, I am going to pet and and stroke it and call it precious when it finally shows up in my email. You know. I mean, <laughs> I've got thirty. Okay, I've got Harry Potter, um, my Harry Potter fandom, separated by pairing and um, basic genre and in the alternate I, universe folder alone I've got 30 files which means I've got 30 works in progress in alternate universe for Harry and Hermione in post Hogwarts I've got 17 um, can, I, can I ask a question and you know this is just because it is my favorite pairing of your stuff how hmm. many um, Draco Harry's um, let's see Fourteen. That that's gonna be fun. Okay. <laughs> that's just you know. Okay, so where was I? Okay, so okay, time travel. I've got thirteen. Now that's including um, unspeakable plot. Which I during the war stories, I've got. Ten. Mhm. That's just in Harry Potter, so I, I wasn't keeping track of that. So that's what probably I don't know. I I wasn't even keeping track, so I have no idea how many that is. Um. The Hobbit. I've got seventeen. I've got seventeen really? works in progress in The Hobbit. Wait. Okay, no, that's a language primer, and that's my document outlining all the people. Ten. I have ten. 
My okay. favorite being, um, I have two that I'm really super, super pleased with so far. Um, one's called Small Magics, um, and it's a Harry Potter awesome. crossover. Um, and I also have another one um, where um, Bella basically uh, um, derails the entire uh, quest and puts them on a boat. Um, oh, that one. <laughs> She's not quite what they were expecting, uh, and so no. uh, I only have two works in progress for Star Trek outside of Tangled Destinies. Uh, Was that the, one of the EADs that you did, where Spock becomes Spock becomes a guide? One of them is yes. Um, I have nineteen <laughs> works in progress for uh, Stargate. Do I ever branch into challenge. other pairings? Um, I I have OTPs, uh, and so there are certain pairings that I will never stray from. Um, mm-hmm. I will go down with McShep. I will go down with that ship. <laughs> now, wait a second. You did comment at one point that you wanted to do a Miko um, and McShep. Yeah, but that that's still McShep. Okay. <laughs> Plus Miko. I'm, I'm, I am, she is a I lovely, fantastic woman have in your a, hands. an idea plotted um, for McKay Shepard and Miko where um, they basically uh, stranded in Pegasus and, and there's never going to be um, Earth gone um, for, whatever, for whatever reason, mm-hmm. undecided. And um, they start... Uh, talking about how they're going to keep the ancient gene um, because they're having like a hard time finding spark. it in Pegasus and uh, they can't get back to the Milky Way. And so they mm-hmm. start um, pairing up gene carriers. And Miko is a gene carrier and she decides mm-hmm. um, there are not a lot of women things on into our own hands. And women can have two husbands. She's she's already picked hers out. And the thing is, is that people have been individually asking John and Rodney to pair with them in this triad system, but they've been declining mm-hmm. because they want each other, um, and no mm-hmm. one's asked them together. So Miko comes trotting down and knocks on the door, and she has the agreement in her hand. She's got a little computer, and she says, I would like to have you both. <laughs> And they're like, yes. <laughs> Here's the thing. In your hands, the Miko, that, that this is the one that I have accepted as my headcanon. She's smart. She's, she's pragmatic. She's incredibly ruthless. And she will, she will make the, the world bend to her will. Okay. So I have a couple of scenes like mapped out with it where like one where they um they all move into um to their apartment and they're trying to figure out you know who's going to sleep where and um she uh she's arranged to have a big bed delivered and lets them know that they'll all three be sharing it uh-huh because <laughs> she's in it 
right? And the thing is, is that John and Rodney aren't together at this point. Um, they both want it, um, but neither one um, has made a move. And so Miko basically um, ships it, but she also ships it with herself. So <laughs> she's all up in it, and um, she eventually gets pregnant, and they're all three in the um, the infirmary. Um, and a lot of the relationships on the city are um, very restrictive. Um, uh, and this is when most people find out that that's not the case in the McKay Shepherd household, that that's not how that's working out. Um, because Carson asks her um, who the father is so he can make a record of it because they need to keep track of that kind of thing. And she's like, oh, I have no idea. <laughs> we'll have to do DNA tests when, when he or she gets here because I don't know. I have no clue. And he's like, well, did you keep a schedule about who was in your bed during this particular date? Da 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 da. He, he lists all the dates, and they're all they're looking at him like he's grown on a second head because what? <laughs> yes. And she's like, oh no, Carson. That awesome. They both sleep with me every night. <laughs> <laughs> because hello, she's going to take are- every advantage of. Of her, her, you know, yeah, I'll take it. Mm-hmm. There are no musical beds in our apartment. There's one. No, good God. <laughs> and it yeah. really, really, really amuses me, just the whole idea of it. You know, her basically. You um, what? Did you see the bed I posted? It was like Is it in the chat California room? Kings. Uh, no, I'll have to find it. It's like two king-size beds side by side. I'll have to find it. Where is it? Honestly, have you seen a California huge. king? I think that would be enough for three people. No, it's not. I sleep in one. Especially two people. I sleep on a queen. A California king would be enough for three people. It's longer than it is... Um, Tall or longer than it is wide for the love of googly. Let's see, there it is. Anyways, that's my Miko idea, but I am a I I will go down with that ship. Um, I'm also firmly of the belief that if Harry's not with Hermione, he should be with Draco. Yeah, and um, there's no reason why he can't have them both. (laughs) Dude, I'm all for that. Just saying, there's no reason why he can't have both. Okay, so since it didn't want to actually come up as an embeddable, try that. That is a huge-ass bed. Yeah. You need a giant-ass bedroom to house that giant-ass bed. But, um, yeah, I... um. Let's see. So, Tony Dinozo, um, I am, I am, I am aboard the mothership. I really, really joy, enjoy Tony Dinozo, Steve McGarrett as a pairing. Um, uh-huh. I can read Gibbs and Tony, um, but I have issues with it. Um, and I've been trying to write it, but I'm not sure how that's going to go. I mean, I have that. Um, I have a um, EAD posting for that, and mm-hmm. it. Um, but I have to say, um, my difficulties with, with Gibbs as a character is making that idea kind of fizzle out. So I might have to revamp it a little. I don't know. 
Um, I'm Kirk and Spock. Oh, yeah. No, there's nobody else. There is nobody else. Kirk and Spock. Every once in a while, bones thrown, being thrown no. in there is a really fun idea, but, you know. No. no. I can't even read that, much less write it. Okay. <laughs> I have a weird thing. I have a weird thing. I um, really enjoyed, I, I wrote a story about Penelope with Ian Edgerton from Numbers, mm-hmm. and I really, really enjoyed that pairing. I was surprised by how much I enjoyed it. I was like, yeah. <laughs> what? That's really awesome. I really enjoyed that. There's just something about it, because she's so soft and um, female, and he is so... Um, hardcore and and mm-hmm. it's just it's like it shouldn't work but it does I really enjoyed it one of one of the things um one of the things I think I like about Ian is he is given what his job is he, he you kind of expect him to be this you know um and in the right hands he's really not and so you know it's one of the reasons why I enjoy writing him so (laughs) I like Azure's comment Penny's awesome and deserves a hot guy that fucks like it's his job or at least a hobby he takes seriously a hobby he takes very seriously yes it's not like Morgan ever got off his ass and did anything about it so, yeah. I don't know. So, let's see. We've, we've covered, well, you know, for Sherlock, by the way, John and, and, and Sherlock, that's, that's my two. Thank you very much. We're not going to go any further. You were saying, I think you said something at one point about um, liking the the Sherlock was Sherlock was an American, or at least was over here in the states, and and John Watson was Joan Watson. I did watch um, Elementary. I I did, Um, Uh but I have to say, if if I'm gonna um, read a, a gender switch, I much prefer a female Sherlock. I know you've written her. I loved it. I loved her. I loved Mm -hmm. that. I was like, I was like, it was like instant. I I just like, I just fell in love with her. Just boom. But I am definitely John Locke all the way. See what happened before. Mm -hmm. I'm totally um, on board with that whole thing. Uh, no, that's not the right one. Let's see. Avengers. I don't think you've done one, have you? 
Um, I have. I have one called um, With Your Heart on Your Sleeve, where Tony and Steve are um, soulmates. I think I heard that one. Sounds familiar. It was an it was a RT. Okay. Hmm. <sighs> yeah, it, my I guess my my closest thing I've got is my um Oh yes, Jeep's right. There's a, the other one where Peter Parker and Darcy Lewis are Tony's kids. That was an awesome one. I I enjoyed that one too. Yeah. Um, I agree, Lee. Um, it has to be pre-Civil War. I have not even watched Civil mm-hmm. War. I have no intention of it. He had a... Mm-mm. Let's see. Huh. I'm looking at my EAD fix to see what I've what I've done. And wow, one of my EADs is going to be fun this year. I don't. Um, I have never watched a single episode of Supernatural. Neither have I. In fact, um, yeah, I will. Really- the fandom. Ruined Supernatural for me before I ever watched it. Because I, I thought, admit, oh, I, I will watch. Is so pretty. So I went oh. over to the fandom, and that was a mistake. Yeah. I am. Um, the closest I get to the Supernatural fandom at this point is going and watching videos of Jensen singing. I do no. enjoy watching Jensen singing. Um, yeah. But awesome. no, the, yeah, it was the incest in um, that messed me up in Supernatural. <sighs> One of the saving graces of myself is that I actually watched a great amount of numbers before I ever stumbled into the fandom of numbers. <laughs> because if I had stumbled into the fandom first, I never would have watched a single episode of numbers either. Because that fandom is lousy with incest too. Oh my god. Yes it is. But yeah, I can't I can't, um, on this on the supernatural front. Um I I, I can't I can't even mm, 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 um mm. Yeah. Pass. Thanks. Yeah. We'll just call it a day on that. When it comes to numbers, I um I'm not on board with Charlie Ann. I don't know why. Um I I like Ian as a character. I like Charlie as a character. I prefer Charlie with Colby. <laughs> so yeah, I, I like Charlie Colby. Um, mostly because I think that it would just drive Don nuts. 
Because Ian's in a ta- in and out of town all the time, so it wouldn't be in John's face every fucking day. But if it was Colby, it'd be it, Colby have Charlie's picture on his desk. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I could see Ian being the type of guy calling up Don, going, Don, you know, Charlie's not answering his phone. Is he in the garage again? Why are you calling me? Well, I want to know if my boyfriend's okay. Would you go check? <laughs> <laughs> but he would. He would probably have to yes, because Kobe don't give no. Kobe gives no shits. Um, Kobe gives no shits. So he would. He, he would be like, yeah, that's my boyfriend. <laughs> and Don would be like, ah. over there holding his head. <laughs> It'd be great. <sighs> Actually, what would be Don would be getting lectures from their dad about you know about leaving Charlie's relationship alone. Mm-hmm. There, there oh, would be, be a awesome. lot of coffee being drunk to keep his mouth shut. <clears throat> but no, I do. Yeah. Um, like I said, yeah, I don't watch Supernatural. Um, uh, so I don't. You know, and oddly, honestly, obviously, um, not watching a show is in no way prevents me from writing fan fiction about it. But um, mm. like I said, the fandom ruined that for me. That's one reason why when I came to when it came time to cast Matt Shepard um, I put mm-hmm. Jensen Ackles on the list um, a lot of people think that I cast um, uh, Jensen Ackles as Matt but that was actually a reader decision um, I was putting up casting pages for like the established characters but I never really put up anything for my original characters and people kept asking me who I would pick and so I did a poll and now most of my characters um, instead of like ties that bind, I did that casting myself. But when it comes to the casting of Matt Shepard, um, he became such a um, reader favorite on my site that I just let the readers decide um, who would be p- um, playing Matt Shepard. And there was another actor who was in um, uh, is Matt Boomer. Matt Matt Boomer won second place in that contest. <laughs> the thing is, though, I like. I, I... He's shown up as a couple different characters in your stuff, and I like him better as the other characters. Um, Jensen, at least the, from from what I understand of the supernatural character Dean Winchester, is much more pragmatic and much more um, ruthless. And in some ways, he fits in better with how you've written the Shepherds. Which, yes, I know I've never I've never watched the show, but from what I understand of what I understand of the show, it's influenced how I see the character. If that makes sense. <laughs> the actor. Mhm. Yeah. Well, whatever. <laughs> but no, I. You know. So yeah, I didn't actually cast Matt Shepard. Um, I also did not name Matt Shepard Matt Shepard on purpose. No. If that makes sense. Um, I um, also um, someone recently asked me if I named. Um, Sebastian, my character Sebastian, after David Hewlett's son, who's also named Sebastian. Um, no, my Sebastian came first. <laughs> <laughs> and it was actually a little disconcerting when they announced that, that they were going to be naming him Sebastian. And I was like, oh, God. <laughs> Please don't do a Google search of this kid. Please don't do a Google <laughs> oh. He's very cute. Bratlett is very cute. Yeah. I um uh did, did you see that someone tried to swat him? 
Yes, I saw that. I was thinking about commenting about that, but yeah, dude, that was not cool. Who swats a little kid? Anyways, but no, my Sebastian came first. It was not on purpose. And it came from Matt Shepard. Um, I did not name him after the late Matt Shepard, who um, was um, beaten to death by homophobic, sorry, motherfuckers, mm-hmm. who I hope um, are rotting in hell. Suffer the no. rest of eternity. Um, but uh, when I made the connection between the two of them, I made a conscious effort to treat Matt's character with a great deal of care. But yeah, my Sebastian did come first um, by almost a year. Your I Sebastian, think. yeah, your Sebastian is 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 smart mouth and funny and you know incredibly interesting. And there's hints of the man that he's going to be, and you know it's one of those where I'm really happy that that. You know um, that he's there because he definitely helps make the whole thing feel um, complete. So, yeah. When I was plotting what might have been, um, I actually have in my plot notes insert kid here. <laughs> well, you did good. Um, because I needed um, what well, Sebastian comes from a place um, in the plot where I needed to give John some humanity. Mm-hmm. Because I'd written a lot of dark stuff for John's character, and he'd done some things. Um, and uh, honestly, the John and what might have been is the darkest John Shepard I've ever written. Um, and <clears throat> I needed to give him uh, um, some, huma- some humanity. And I also needed to give their relationship a little balance because they were very codependent on each other. And I felt like I was writing something really unhealthy or it could become unhealthy. Um, and I was plotting it that. Could have been. I, was, I plotted ahead um, six or seven episodes. And when I realized how dark my plot was, I needed to lighten my plot up. Um, and so um, I put a kid in it because nothing lightens a plot like an unexpected kid. <laughs> Especially one as foul mouthed and un- unapologetically smart, you know, nine and smart and needy as Sebastian is because yes. he needs them, you know. And well, that was part of the are... grounding um, to um, to um, to ground mm-hmm. them both to give them um, something to live for beyond each other. Yeah. Because there is an unhealthy psychology running under their relationship um, from almost from the very beginning. And I wrote that on purpose. Um, there's very little that happens in my stories, psychologically speaking, that's not on purpose. I um, invest a great deal of effort into my emotional, um, internal plotting to ensure that my characters, while they remain consistent, they don't remain static. Because character consistency mm-hmm. is important, but it's also important that your character grow and change and develop and learn and, and just become more than what they are when they started. So 
Consistency, yes. Static, no. They are... The thing that that, that, um, that gets me with those two, especially in that particular story, is um, they are their own people in and of themselves, but together they have figured out how to be better. Not They're still codependent, but they're, um, one shows up the weak points of the other. Okay, and you know that's what you—that's what they you want them to do, you know, instead of reinforce it. But it's also um, there's a point in there where you you have um, Rodney reveal um, where he worked as a teen and what he had done and why he can't handle a gun, and John is absolutely horrified with himself because of how much he thinks he's high-handed in protecting Rodney. And in some ways he is. But Rodney doesn't mind. He knows why. And he's he's got... He accepts it and understands that this is also something that it seems like John needs to do for him to feel comfortable. At least that's my reading of the situation. You know, Rodney oh, yeah. wants to be coddled in what might have been. He wants to be called and taken care of. I mean, that's why he hires mm-hmm. the staff eventually. I mean, he's been he's been working towards that point since the beginning of the of the, of the series, um, and you know he he basically wants all the shit around him taken care of for him. Well, yeah, he and it will, he, he would far rather do physics than than you know. I'm sorry, I'd rather no, it's do not physics about that. than vacuum. Well, yeah, right. I'd rather learn about physics than do vacuuming because I can't actually do physics yet but I would be willing to learn it to avoid vacuuming but what I would say is that it does not, it's not about his work, it's about his childhood when I when I wrapped Rodney around um, the events that I plotted for his childhood um, Rodney didn't get taken care of as a child he was forced to become an adult um, and have adult concerns at a very, very young age. Um, and I wanted to uh, have have that resonate throughout his life. And one of the way it resonates is that is that he does seek to be taken care of. He enjoys having things done for him. It's not particularly healthy, but he's not particularly healthy to begin with. Well, he is a hot mess. They both are. Mm-hmm. They're both a hot mess in canon. <laughs> oh my God! Don't even remind me how much of a mess they are in canon. You know, in some ways, that that want to be cared for shows up in just about every single um, Rodney you write because. Um, there's the Sentinel one where he's letting John run the city, and he's perfectly fine with that. Thank you very much. Well, the Sentinel version, um, even though Rodney does have, uh, are you making tea? No, actually, there's a um, yogurt called, um, I'll forget it, 
yeah, called We. It's um, from your play, and it's in glass jars, and it's really delicious. And I just have so one. they're eating. Yeah, they is it good? Too, I'm jealous. Yeah. yeah, I was. I was eating a tangerine. I had, Actually, I was eating a mandarin orange. I, to be perfectly honest, not a tangerine. I wanted tangerines, couldn't find any. This is uh, the lemon, and it has basically. Um, not so much lemon curd, but something close to it at the bottom, and then this really rich, yummy um, yogurt at the top. And is anybody else jealous? Because I am. I'm jealous. <laughs> anyway, what was I saying? Oh, the Sentinels uh, of Atlantis, Rodney. Rodney. He's yeah. not. Um, he's a different animal. Um, he is. Uh, he comes from a place, uh, both intellectually and emotionally, where guides are treated um in a very particular fashion um he's used to being um treated that way he's used to being treated with a great deal of respect and care um he's also used to getting his way and he's used to uh not being argued with and because because he's a guy mm-hmm. and yes he has used that in the past to to do shit cuz come on yeah um Why not? And so, but why not take advantage of it? They're just different. There they're just go. different animals. They're just really, really different animals. Um, Rodney is strong in the Sentinels of Atlantis, but he's also um, he's not he's he's not he's very much more put together emotionally than the Rodney is in what might have been. And I do that because it's kind of boring to write the same character over and over and over again. But you can tweak fandom characters and keep their 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 essence the same so they don't look like a different person, um, but you can play with them a little bit. That that's really the whole point, right? Yep. Well, but when you change a character's circumstances, you have to have those circumstances impact their character, their opinions, their experiences. We are some. We are we we are the sum of our parts, and our parts are mm-hmm. our memories and our um, feelings and our knowledge and our desires. And um, as those change, you change too. So your characters have to do mm-hmm. that as well. Otherwise, they're just a a lump sitting there, and you don't want a lumpy character. Mm-hmm. Unless you do. Pillbury Doughboy, but you do you. Mhm. Let's see. That's the one. Um, the link, by the way, I put up is to that um, that yogurt. You can probably find it. Um, well, you probably could have found it at your grocery store. I couldn't find anything at my grocery store. Oh, it's French. I know. French style yogurt uh-huh. by Yoplait. Oh, they have strawberry. Uh huh. It's good too. And the black cherry is awesome. So is the lemon and the lime and the vanilla. Um, the raspberry has seeds in it still. So that was interesting. So 
Um, I think uh, going back to the original topic of, of this particular podcast, um, one thing about entitlement that kind of gets me is um, people will latch on to a story or fandom and they seem to beat the drum on we want this, we want this, we want this, we want this, we want this. And they'll leave um, other items in the catalog, if you will, alone. Um, you were saying, you mentioned that you'd had a problem with that with um, the Harry Potter fandom, which is why <laughs> you, you took a pause on it. Took, a, took um, a pause, came back, same bullshit. Yes. Um The I don't know um I don't know if it's just, you know, that that the Harry Potter fandom started out with with frankly a bunch of teenagers. Okay, we the people who um got into it first were the kids. You know, or parents who were reading it to their children. Um but it's You know, um, some people never seem to grow up. I can almost buy that if those people hadn't already grown up. Some of them didn't, though. That's the problem. (laughs) Well, physically, they grew up. Even if they didn't mentally make that leap. No. Yeah. You know, it's, it's like... You know, I'm I'm always going to be this, you know, entitled 12-year-old, and why can't I have more? I I loathe nothing in this fandom, any fandom, like I loathe the word more. I actually have it banned on Rough Trade and on Wild Hair. So if you use it in a comment, your uh-huh. comment automatically gets thrown in the trash. Yeah, uh-huh. I can live with that. And I don't care. If you don't like it, look at the yep. fucks I give. None. You'll find none. My field is barren. <laughs> What's really funny is you used that in a <laughs> I did. There is a line in my um, in my fic where Bella derails Gandalf's plans, where he's fussing at her for not doing what she what he wants her to do, and she tells him. She says that uh, she has a field in um, in Hobbiton where all she grows is fucks to give, and currently it's barren. <laughs> and if I remember right, Thorin goes, "I really like that line. I want to keep it. <laughs> I'm gonna keep it. I'm stealing that. I'm stealing it." It was like, yeah, that's just awesome. <sighs> In that fic, she's Feyborn, and she's um, mm-hmm. she's traveled outside the, sh- the Shire a lot. She's got a lot going on. Um, she's very magical um, in, in a very different way than, than what I've written before. And she's um, she's just she's she's just a grown ass woman. Was what that boils mm-hmm. down to. And she um, 
I, I really enjoy that. Yes, yes, she's a badass, and uh, it's a lot of fun. Every time, I mean, none of your characters are shrinking violets. No, not okay. really. What's the point? Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't... I'm trying to remember all the various characters you've written, and I don't remember a single shrinking violet violet in the in any of them. Okay. You know, because that um, thing where it says write what you know, I'm not a shrinking violet. I think I would have a very difficult time writing a timid um, character, and this is going to sound really ugly without it being disdainful. Mm. There's when when I look at when I look at characters and I'm I'm running through the list in my head basically of of everybody you've written you've written quiet characters you've written um, reserved characters you've written characters who conflict is not their first way to solve an issue but you don't write timid. I don't like no. timid. I find timid very unattractive um, as a person. And um, well, I have to be, uh, I'm not going to talk about sexual attraction here, but I have to be attracted to my character. I have to be interested in, in um, and find them engaging. Otherwise, um, I can't write them with any kind of skill. The part of the, the thing that, that gets me um with characters is um, going not so much characters as, as situations all the situations that you and I have put characters in and Jilly and Senna and frankly any any fan fiction writer uh, well let's go forth with any Stargate writer to have the chutzpah to step through a gate to another galaxy, to another planet, to some place where you have maybe four people who can operate the tech. Timid doesn't do that. Well, what I would say about that is it takes a great deal of fucking courage to leave the planet or even to attempt to leave the planet. Mm-hmm. Um, and, we, you know, <clears throat> there is a comfort in being on the planet with which we were born. Um, there is comfort in um, knowing how things work, how the air is supposed to smell, the animals you're likely to encounter. Um, what the gravity feels like. What it feels like to move around. Yes, these are all things you take for granted, right? Um, but to give all mm-hmm. of that up to explore another planet, takes an immense amount of courage. I would not say it's stupid, no, because you stupid doesn't get into NASA. <laughs> no. You got to be really you got to be really fucking smart to get on a um shuttle these days. It, it, you just can't be Even the monkey you can't was be pretty fucking student. smart. Mm-hmm. Um but there's there there's an immense amount of courage there. Um you know, Kavanaugh for, was an arrogant asshole, but he wasn't dumb. The man had a PhD. 
You don't get a PhD in a hard science if you're an idiot. He was written as comic relief, I think, in a lot of ways, um, and as a foil for Rodney. So he was written as arrogant or more arrogant than McKay, which was actually really difficult to accomplish. So the end result is, is he's almost a caricature because McKay is so arrogant, and they had to make Kavanaugh twice as arrogant. Which is saying something, given, you know. Right, right. So they had to make Kavanaugh worse than Rodney to make McKay look good. Kavanaugh's whole job during that the, the first season or two, whenever we see him in Stargate, his whole purpose as a character is to make McKay look better. I'm reminded of something that Jason Isaac said um, when he was, was it, isn't Jason Isaac the one that, that, that played Lucius Malfoy in the Harry Potter movie? Lucius, yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. When he was cast as Lucius, he watched the first Harry Potter movie because he needed to, part of his role um, in the Chamber of Secrets was in some ways to make Draco more sympathetic. So he actually had mm-hmm. to be worse and also demonstrate from where Draco Malfoy came from. And, and he oh, God, <laughs> I was that was going to be really difficult because Draco was a little asshole. <laughs> oh my God, yes. So Kavanaugh's whole purpose in Stargate Atlantis is to make Rodney look, um, is to give Rodney humanity and to make him more um, attractive and um, to make him look like the better option across the board. But they, and they had to do this because they'd already written McKay in SG-1 as um, arrogant. I mean, this is a man who told Sam Carter she was dumb to her face. He called her a dumb blonde. So going well, into was. it, well, no, she wasn't. Yes she was no. arrogant. She mm-hmm. was arrogant, and she was prone to making decisions in a vacuum, and she had no empathy, but Sam Carter wasn't an idiot by any stretch of the imagination. And so... McKay comes off as a terrible kind of misogynist in SG-1. He's calling the preeminent technology expert for, 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 for the Stargate program a dumb blonde. Now, she might be an arrogant blonde, but she wasn't dumb. So they had to mellow his character out and the best way to do that in Atlantis was to put a person on the city who was worse than him that took some doing so and that's why Kavanaugh is so over the top Because they had to make um, him Kavanaugh. so bad so that you would hate Kavanaugh and be rooting for Rodney from the very start. <laughs> well, there's that, but there's also, you know, the, the um, it's not just, you know, the arrogance level. It's also the screaming lack of empathy. Because arrogance can be there, but, you know, having some empathy is helpful. Kavanaugh has I would say I have um, been around a lot of smart people, a lot of smart people, um, and empathy is mm-hmm. often in short supply. Mm-hmm. 
Well, I mean, it is a taught thing in some ways. Well, at, uh, smart people are isolated often um, from their peers for various reasons. They don't learn social cues um, the way we do. They don't learn to interact with people, and they often don't learn to fake it. Because how often have you faked concern for somebody when you really didn't give a fuck? A lot of people don't don't my learn job. that. <laughs> my job quite often. You know, it's it's a sad thing to say, but yeah, it happens with my job a lot. Um, it's not the nicest thing to say, but yeah, the. The thing is, is um, just because I personally may not feel any empathy towards some of these people doesn't mean I don't realize that their situation doesn't call for empathy. So then you start And you can thank it. You kind of, yeah. Oh, I'm so sorry that's happening to you. Let's see what we can do. I'm so sorry to hear that. Let's see what we can do to help. You know, and so when all you're really thinking is, if I have to hear one more person tell me this story today, I'm gonna fucking lose my mind. <laughs> there was there was a point in time where it was, do I have to listen to somebody comment about what was going on in their life when they got into this particular trouble? This is my second hour of the day, my 14th version of this call today. I've got six and a half more hours to go. Right. Oh. Good time. <laughs> so, you know, yeah. you, you have to, when you create a character like McKay, like they did, you have to um, figure out how to... Um, the mediate. Yeah. The best balanced version you've got in some ways of McKay is Meredith. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I would say so. Meredith is much more balanced. Um, it's probably because she had Jeannie. Well, not just that, but also, frankly, and this is sexist and horrible and whatever, but a guy can get away with being a dick and still make it in, in uh, society and, and come out ahead. Women can't. Not One thing I would also say well. about Meredith uh, Meredith is my female McKay in um, in my series Hold My Coffee. Lady Holder still holding my coffee, by the way. Um, yes, what it's I would great. say about Meredith is, is this is something inherent to women that I think that other women will will immediately recognize um, is that we take um, care of each other. Women form mm-hmm. packs. They form like kind of like you know female elephants all come together to be a herd. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we do the same thing. We herd together. We watch out for each other. We go to the bathroom together, and that's like you know. Well, you that's don't because her mom got attacked by a troll. Exactly. Yeah. If she wasn't the first, there had to be another one before her. We just we just we mm-hmm. just needed a reminder of why you don't go to the bathroom by yourself. You know, and and, and there's a there's a pack mentality among women um, that creates um, support groups. When women have support groups in ways that men don't. That's why women live longer. That's why if um, the wife dies uh, in an elderly couple, 
the man doesn't normally last very long if he doesn't have kids and other support structure in place, whereas a woman will sometimes outlive her husband about 10, 15 years because they have a support system. They they have friends. They they go to the doctor, and you know, and these are things that a lot of times men won't do. Um, twenty something years in the case of my grandmother. Yeah. My grandmother outlived my grandfather by about 15 years. Um, and um, example about men and their health um, and not taking care of themselves if they don't have anybody to be accountable to. Um, when I met my husband, he was, see, 29, and he had not gone to the doctor since he was 18. Oh, my when his mama made God. Him. When his mama made him. I was like, you need to take your ass to the doctor. Because I asked him, I was, um, after, shortly after I moved in with him, I was putting together um, just, you know, documents and stuff in case we need them. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I'm a planner like that. I have a little book. You'll have to go to the hospital with him. Here's his medications. Here's his doctors. You know, this mm-hmm. does this, this does that. But at the time... I said, I'm going to need all your information. What prescriptions are you taking? What are you allergic to? Um, and who's your general practitioner? And he was like, you can see this look on his face. I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. Like, he wanted to lie to me, but it wasn't a lie he'd be able to maintain. Mm-hmm. And he said, I don't have a general practitioner. I said, so are you going to a clinic? And he's like, um, I haven't been... I said, motherfucker, when's the last time you've been to the doctor? And he said, I was 18. I said, you're almost 30. <laughs> oh, God. Needless to say, he got you the practitioner. <laughs> yeah, my, mine couldn't do that because he, he was, was in the Navy. Navy right? and yeah. Yes, and they, they, they frowned on people not going to the doctor, and they made damn certain you went to the doctor. And he also then, when he got out, he um, got enrolled with the VA, and they send him notifications: "Hey, you have a doctor visit. This is this is your you know you're getting this doctor visit. You better and it's show like, up. Okay, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to the doctors. Yeah. Hell, there were times when he was working at a state where he would come home because he was going to the doctors. You know, men. That was life." Hey, it was great. You know, he. he I, my I mean, father. I'm incredibly thrilled with with the VA for that. My father does not go to the doctor unless we make appointments for him. So we may make all those appointments. Okay, your your dentist is on this day. Your your GP is on this day. Your your uh-huh. your man doctor's on this day. You have to go get your stuff checked out over here. Remember to cough. Remember to cough. Um. I scheduled his colonoscopy, his first one. And I called him and said, I've got you. <laughs> I have you oh an appointment. And uh, this is your doctor's name. And he said, what's this for? I said, well, you're at that age. And he said, no, come on. I'm like, it was either me or mom or my little sister. And he was like, for fuck's sake. For fuck's sake. Um, you need your ass whooped, Barb. 
I am but, not yeah, looking forward yeah, to the so. first colonoscopy. You know, honestly, you know, I've I've had them because colon cancer runs in my family, which is why mm-hmm. I'm really militant about everybody else getting them. I mm-hmm. made my husband get one. My mom's gonna get one soon. She doesn't know it yet. Um, Have you made you know, the appointment for her? Yeah, I did. Um, I don't, I don't want to give her time to cancel it. <laughs> Are you going to show up at the at the the house with the goop that she has to drink and tell her she has the appointment tomorrow? No, no, no. She has to go to the doctor first. She has to have a consult. Huh? We're doing the consult, and then we'll be doing the 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 up as far as possible. Um, the first time I ever had up as far as possible, I also had down as far as possible, and they found a. Um, <laughs> They found an ulcer in my intestine, oh. and my mom was like, "Well, how did they how did they find that? Considering the location of it." And I was like, "Well, first she went up as far as possible, and then she went down as far as possible, and she kind of met in the middle." And she different went, "Oh my Jesus!" Though. Yeah, different cameras. Yeah, um, I said, she said, "Oh my Jesus!" And I was like, "But I was unconscious. I don't remember it." At all. Good idea. Um, I didn't tell my doctor. I was like, I was like, look, um, I would like to be unconscious before you bring me into the room with the equipment, and I would like to remain unconscious until the equipment is out of the room because I don't want to see it. And she said, okay. <laughs> I can't say if I blame you. So I've had a couple, and then my last one was really funny. This is probably a TMI, but I don't care. So, okay, so I um, uh, I was in my first one, and uh, my, this, this most recent one, and um, I had uh, I had an asthma attack earlier in the day, and I'd used my albuterol inhaler, and I forgot to tell the anesthesiologist mm-hmm. that I'd used my albuterol inhaler. Oh, no. It's very important information for him to have had because I woke up during the procedure. Oh, no. Oh, I woke no. up near the end. Well, that's good. As it was coming out. Oh, no. That's not good, right? So my yeah. they, they they tell my husband that I, that I woke up during the procedure, and I kind of remember it, but I kind of don't. It's like a like a hazy kind of dream thing. Anyway, apparently during recovery, my husband and I don't remember this at all. My husband asked me um, how um, that if I remember waking up during the procedure, and I said yes, and it wasn't bad. <laughs> it wasn't bad at all. <laughs> I have no memory of saying this. None. Not a. <laughs> oh. Yep. But also, I do remember actually waking up during the procedure, and it wasn't that bad. It it, it just, it, it wasn't. It was, it was a very small um, thing. Honestly, I honestly think as long as there's no painful jabbing, that I could probably do it conscious and it wouldn't bother me at all. Yes, but the thing is, is there's a whole bunch of people on this planet who couldn't. <laughs> but on a for real note, I am never getting another MRI conscious, ever. I told my doctor, if you want me to get an MRI, you're going to have to knock me out. I don't care if it's with anesthesia or with your fist. <laughs> but either way, and I better not wake up while I'm in it. 
Because yeah. not only did I have kind of a minor panic attack while during the in the middle of my fifteen minute MRI, um, I uh, had nightmares for two weeks. Yeah, and I'm not going to mention mine. Um, and I know that there was someone in the chat room who actually had a two-hour um, MRI. And, um, girl. Yeah. Girl, I, no way. Because I am, I'm actually, like, okay, I'm three minutes into my 15-minute MRI, mm-hmm. right? And I I hit the little button, and the lady said, um, are you okay? And I said, are we almost done? And she said, no, honey, it's just been three minutes. I said, are you serious? <laughs> she was like, I said, I can't do this. You're going to have to take me out. She said, just take deep breaths. We're going to get through this. It's just a little bit. Um, I was like, I, I can't, I can't, I can't. I said, I, I must have said I can't like a hundred times. Oh, yeah. I have had four colonoscopies, Willow, and never bled once. Yeah, no shit. What the hell did they do? And in my third colonoscopy, they actually burned off two polyps, and I never had a speck of blood, ever. Whoever your mom is seeing for her colonoscopy, she needs to get a new doctor. Word? I have never actually encountered anybody in my family, including my uncle who had colon cancer, who came out of a colonoscopy bleeding. Now, I had headphones and music for my MRI, but the knocking from the machine was so loud that it was, mm-hmm. um, it was, I couldn't listen to an audio book in that because it would just be too much. It would, I would have a hard time concentrating on it and it would frustrate me. And I'd already, like I said, but it didn't go matter because I'm not going to be conscious because I told her it's not happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just not happening. I'm not doing it. Oh, but I'm, super, I'm yeah. serious about that colonoscopy thing. There should be no bleeding. None. That sounds like a puncture or something, a oh, perforation. Yeah. And that's like, no, that's More not what's one. supposed to happen. Um, I had, um, I was getting migraines, Barbara, and um, they wanted to uh, uh, check me out to make sure uh, I didn't have, um, you know, a tumor. I don't, but I do have a cyst in my nasal cavity which made me think of you. And I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> it's tiny, though. It's tiny. Mm-hmm. But they will have to do another MRI in about 10 years to check it unless I start getting pressure from the spot where it is. Um, and then we'll have to see. Yeah. But, yeah, they just 15 minutes. And so – but I was just being checked for um, – for bleeds and um, uh, tumors and what's its uh, what's its polyps. aneurysms? Mm. No polyps, okay. not not in my head. I hope not, right? Oh yeah, no, that would. Well, but you know, but you as far as the colonoscopy, nose, whatever. Um, 
there's colon cancer in my family, so um, there's a history, and um, so I get tested every four or five years. Unless there's a problem. If there's a problem, I get tested more than that. It's not. It's actually, like, right next to my nose. It's, like, in the middle of my nose, off to the the left. Is it pressing on anything for your sense of smell? No, but it is, um, it's in between my occipital lobe, my my occipital, it's in between my eye socket and my nose socket. Does that make sense? Okay, yeah. Is that, it's like, right there? It's tiny, it's itty bitty. Um, well, that's good at least. I had an open MRI. <laughs> I told yeah. her, I'm like, look, if you can get me into one of those little donut MRIs like I did for my butt cert- my uh, my butt biopsy thing, uh, where I didn't have my butt biopsy. I actually had a bone biopsy, and they took it out of my, the back of my hip, so my butt was in mm-hmm. a donut, an MRI donut. Um, I said, I'm willing to get in a donut. I am never getting in another MRI machine conscious. It's just not going to happen. Yeah. Not happening. Because I nearly flipped my shit. I couldn't even stay in the building with that machine. I had to go sit in the car. Yeah. I I was expecting something really bad when I got mine done, but Just it was loud. Just a I, little, I will admit. Little bitty, little bitty. Sis. It was very loud. It was very loud. I'm not sure I could handle listening to an audio book because it would be hard to concentrate on the words. Mhm. True. Well, you know, I don't know about music either. So. Yeah, that's. Um... It was classical music, no words. So, but. She asked me if I wanted like a sleeping mask, and I'm like, I'm not sure that would be helpful because my head's in a vice. Oh, yeah, that would be interesting. I, if somebody had asked me before my MRI. If I had resolved my issues with claustrophobia, I would have said yes, absolutely. I have I have conquered that fear. I have no problems with it. Post MRI, I can't say that. Um, I mean, I had I so don't. much. I had therapy about my claustrophobia in, in college. I did. Um, I did so well in my therapy that near the end of my senior year. In college, I went cave camping. I went camping in a fucking cave. I didn't see natural sunlight for two days. You know, maybe... The the thing is, though, is from what I remember of my open MRI, it's not... The cave was fairly large, right? The ceiling wasn't inches above your head? In some places it was, yes. Okay, but... You weren't sleeping there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was. Okay. 
Well, no, no, not not in the small spot, not in the small spot. No, um, we okay. we had a big cavern we got to sleep in. Yeah. Um, All right. Sorry, we'll, we'll stop talking about it. <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to trigger Let's anybody. Go back to <laughs> Um, but um, yeah, it was just uh, if you ever have to have an MRI, ask for sedation. If you, if, if at any point during a procedure you are asked if you want a volume, you say yes. Drugs are the best policy. Um, okay, never going back to ever sex. turn down a volume under any circumstances. If they're offering you a volume, you need it. You take it. Ask for two. What's <laughs> <laughs> for now? And one for home. Okay, um I'm gonna um go back to um you don't have I you don't have anything really published for um The Hobbit and Lord of the Rings. And what, what No, I just have a little is, I have a little short that I wrote for mm-hmm. one of the RT um, prompts. Yeah. And so, you know, I don't, Actually, I don't know how. Yeah. Right. Um, I don't know how. Um, I don't know how that fandom is going to react to. <laughs> so, you dropping in on it. I don't give a shit. <laughs> oh, I don't think you do either. <laughs> My field of fucks is barren too, but no, I'm, I do. I, there, there is that because the, there's something really odd about the Hobbit fandom. They are really weird, mm-hmm. and um, they're also Lord of the Rings fans are serious about their canon, and that's a problem because I don't give a shit about canon. I put it in my author note. You, I don't give a shit about your canon. I don't care. You, you, you I don't kind care of about look your at canon. canon. The closest thing I think you've, I've seen you do with Canon is you wave at it as it kind of implodes, you know. Hello, boys. <laughs> That's about the extent of my, of my of my relationship with Canon right there for Lord of the Rings. I don't give a shit. I don't. I don't care about your timelines. I don't care about your characterization. I don't care about um, Canon events. I don't care who who's supposed mm-hmm. to die. I don't give a shit about any of it. None of it. So, yeah, I do expect. I think that I'd probably get more flack if I was posting it, something like AO3. Um, but my, oh my but God. my site kind of isolates me a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm real, I mean, I, I will admit me. it does that to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Thank you, Lee. Um Well, what's the point? If you're gonna write, if you if you want to read canon, go read the damn books. I'm just saying. I got OCs in my story. I got oh my magic and and brooms and. Bilbo gets a magic carpet. Um, oh, Hermione has and Harry and Hermione carpet. are going to have like two or three different wedding ceremonies to make everybody happy. And it's just hey, like... it's a party. It's a party. And dwarves party. love to party. 
dwarves. I made the goblins from Earth really dwarfs. Dwaro. And they're They're really pretty. They're coming to Arda. I've been casting them. They are really pretty. Um, Don't give a shit. Mm -hmm. Interdimensional dwarf napping. (laughs) On a whole scale level. Look, Thorin needed to replenish his clan. This is the method he chose. <laughs> and you know what? It's a hell of a method. What's really funny is that the the Dwaro from Earth, um, who are called Diverger, that, that was their species name on Earth, um, mm-hmm. they have three classes of, of dwarf, warrior, scholar, and mage. And their scholars mm-hmm. are often, some of them aren't any bigger than Bilbo. So there's a faction in the mountain who who are convinced that hobbits are actually dwarfs that got lost. So they want to go to the Shire and rescue them from their holes in the ground. And Harry's like, no, you can't go rescue the hobbits from the Shire. They're perfectly fine where they are. They are not actually dwarfs. I promise you, they're not dwarfs. And they're like, I don't know. Look at that dude. He's obviously a dwarf, and he is shorter than Bilbo. So... I think we need to go investigate. <laughs> See, yeah. adoption's working out for them, so they're looking to expand their population some more. But no, um, you know, so it's amusing to me. It, it's and uh, honestly, when I can write something that really amuses me, um, that's always to the good because um, it ends up being ridiculous and fun and and huge. And it's already um, <clears throat> let's see. Let me let me find this fic. Let me find it. Find it. Find it. Um, I started it in June of last year, um, and it is already 126,000 words, and I'm on chapter 23. Damn, you're just poking, know, poking right? right along, aren't you? Yeah. Huh. What is this one? But I'm really enjoying it, and um, so. (laughs) Yeah, it's um. And I've been working on the, the subtle body, which I was doing during Rough Trade. Um, it's not going to be the uh, 50K it was supposed to be. I don't have enough plot mm-hmm. for that. I don't know why, you know, normally, I, honestly, one of my biggest strengths is plotting to word counts. Um, as far as being a plotter goes, um, I think that um, that's one of the things I can really count on for myself. Um, mm-hmm. But... For some reason, I managed to really only plot about 26K instead of 50. But I'm at the point where um, they've, uh, they're going to, they they found Wofat, um, and they're about to break the curse. Oh, awesome. And then that's going okay. to be the end of it because um, that that's what I plotted. And I'm like, but this is not 50K, Kira. What happened? I don't know what happened. I have I have no idea what happened. Um, 
I don't know. Where did I? Here it is. It seems unreasonable. And I think part of it is because it was an urban fantasy challenge, and so I took out all the relationship elements. Which does add um, a lot. And so, um, now that's not to say that I could not write another 25K of sex. I could, but that seems a little ridiculous. Mine is probably going to be between 25 and 27K, I think. Yeah, I, under, I overestimated yeah. too. And I, it's just because I wasn't prepared to – I'm a romance writer, and I apparently have a real difficult time plotting without making the relationship central to the fic, which is not an urban fantasy. That's a paranormal romance. <laughs> just That's just what happens. Yeah, I'm – I was trying to figure out, you know, um, <laughs> insert sex out, here. Know, yeah, I need to. <laughs> yeah, the thing is, is they spend so much time not being human in the same space that <laughs> inserting sex here really doesn't work for that thick. I mean, when Steve is a human, <sighs> Tony's a bird. And you've already put the, the, the thought in that they're basically static. You know, while they do stuff while they're still running around. So. So, but I'm about to break the curse and then there's going to be, um, holy shit, dude. <laughs> there you are. I've been looking yep, for also, you. We're two minutes out. Yep. We are. We are two minutes out. Anyways. Um, don't be a dickhead. Mm-hmm. I don't it, think it's it too much to ask your- to be grateful for what you get. <laughs> oh my God, Barb. <laughs> That's really funny, actually, Azure, that you would say raining rim jobs, considering your whole point of perspective on that particular activity. <laughs> Just saying. Oh my God. <laughs> We're down to a minute. You guys have a great week. I'll try to be more frequent in my podcast. Sorry, I just got out of the habit of doing them. Um, Say goodnight, Lady Mm -hmm. Holmes. Good night.